Well, turn to John 15. We're looking at the study of hard passages. And, and we say hard passages because we put it this way. If I can get it to work. Yeah. There's sometimes they're just hard to understand what they mean. And then sometimes they're hard because they look contrary to what we know. Like, could you lose salvation? Or is it works for salvation or something? So that's why they're sort of hard passages. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 15. And it's the idea of producing fruit. There's two verses that sort of stand out that in this little section. John 15, 2 says, he takes away the branches. And then in John 15, 6, he casts them into the fire and they're burned. What does this mean? And let me throw these questions up. Is this a loss of salvation or is it a loss of rewards? Well, we already know that you cannot lose salvation. That salvation is a gift. When you believe in Christ, you've got eternal life. Eternal life is forever, and it means you keep it and you keep it forever. So this has to be, and it, as we already know, it's going to be a loss of rewards, and we're going to see how it fits together as we look at it. But I want you to see it because people will come to you and they'll say, look at verse 2. It says he takes them away, and then down here it says they're burned in the fire. So what does all that mean? And we'll see it as we go through it. Well, let's talk about the Gospel of John just for a second. The Gospel of John probably is my favorite book in the sense uh, that it just deals with the message of how to have eternal life. And what's so amazing about it is written, it's the only book in the New Testament written to unbelievers. Now, you might not realize that, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are written to believers, Acts to believers, all of Paul's letters to believers, all the others. The only one that's written to unbelievers is the Gospel of John. He actually says at the very end of the book, well, John 20, 30, and 31, he said, there are many other signs Jesus did that are not in this book, but these are written that you might believe and believe these signs, believe in Christ, and have eternal life. And so he's writing to unbelievers, and he's saying that this is so that you might believe. In fact, look at this book. In the book of John, 98 times John uses the word believe or faith. Believe, believe, believe. 47 times in the book he uses life or eternal life. So this book is about eternal life salvation. But let me show you something. This is how the book breaks down. Big three sections. Chapters 1 through 12, he gives the seven signs in the book. In chapters 13 through 17, we call it the upper room. It doesn't all take place in the upper room, but we call it the upper room. It deals with fellowship and producing fruit. And then the last part, chapters 18 through 21, his death, his resurrection, his commission. So when we look at John 15, if you notice, this is part with the upper room, fellowship and fruit and producing and all of that. Here's something I want you to understand. That when John deals with eternal life, he always uses the word believe. When John deals with the Christian life, he uses the word abide. So believe means to take something that's true. Abide means to have a close fellowship or a close relationship. When we see John 15, he is talking about the Christian life. Fellowship, abiding, and producing fruit. I just want you to see that. Understand how it fits together. So when you look at these two words, and it say, or these two verses, takes away the branches and cast them in the fire and burned, you have to understand, we're not talking about eternal life salvation. He is talking about fellowship and fruitfulness and rewards and producing. And so we're going to see it as we go through. So let me remind you of the flow. And then if we stop early, we'll have time for some questions and things like that. But this, this is a special night. He has sat down with his men. He has eaten what they call the Passover meal. Right in the middle, he's told him he's leaving. And, he's, and, and, and you know, he's going to not leave them by themselves. He's going to have the Holy Spirit come. He's talking to them in John 15, uh, basically about producing fruit. This passage is not dealing with eternal life. He is meeting with people, with his men, who have already believed in him. And he's telling them, let not your heart be troubled. 
And my father said, so many rooms, it wasn't that way I told you. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. And there where I am, you'll be also. He's telling them that. He's telling them he's leaving. He's telling them all these things. And he, they've just finished the Passover meal. And they're about to leave. Look at verse 31 of John chapter 14. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let's go out from here. From there, they got up and they left the Passover meal, all the guys, and they're going with Jesus and they're walking. They go out into the streets. They're on their way to the Mount of Olives. We don't know how far it was. It probably wasn't very far for them to travel at that night. They go and as he goes, they, they stop on the way because I think he stops at a vineyard on the way and that's why he says, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm a vine, my father's the vine dresser, you're the branch. I mean, I think that's what he does. But, what has he taught them? He says, I'm going away. One of you would betray me. He said, love one another. He showed them servanthood. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and be in them and teach them. And then he talks about producing fruit. And so he's not talking about eternal life salvation. He's talking about producing fruit as a believer. So he starts off with this idea that believers are connected with Jesus Christ. We are. The moment you believe in Christ for eternal life, you are placed in union with Christ. That's why the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You're in Christ. You're connected with Christ. There's a union. John describes it as vine and branches. Uh, Paul says that you've been placed in Christ. So that, that's kind of the way it is. And so the key in this whole thing is abiding. And he's really saying that if you don't abide, stay in a close fellowship with God, there's going to be no fruit. That's what he's really talking about. So let's start with this question. What is fruit? And it could be a lot of different things. It could be leading someone to Christ. It could be living like Christ. It could be doing good deeds. The idea of fruit is, is some production on how you live. And so a lot of times people want to say, well, fruit is when somebody believes in Jesus Christ. Well, you sharing your faith is fruit. When, when good deeds are done, that's fruit. So there's all kinds of things that are fruit that, that are produced. So we then raise the next question is, how do we produce fruit? And we realize there are levels of fruit. Now, let's just face it. All of us in this room are not the same. We all, uh, we believe, uh, hope and pray, every one of us have believed in Christ for eternal life. We're saved. We're saved forever. We have gifts, talents, and abilities. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. have the Word of God. But we're all not the same. Some people uh, are, use their gifts and talents in, in a more, and, and they produce more fruit. Some people aren't as faithful. We know that one day people will stand before Jesus Christ to be rewarded for how they've lived in this life. And in some places, he'll say, well done, good, and Faithful servant, in some places they'll be ashamed at his coming. So there, there are people, there are believers who, who do not, let's just say it this way, don't produce fruit or don't produce hardly any fruit. There are some believers who produce a lot of fruit. This is what John 15 is about. And so I want you to see it as we go down through it. I want you to put it, put, put it together. So he starts off by this. Look at verse 21. He says, I'm the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. So my father, the heavenly father, is like the vine dresser, and I am the vine. And there, and there and it may have been, and I think what happened, they're on the way to the Mount of Olives, and he stops, and there's a vineyard, and he says, okay, let me, let me teach you something. I'm the vine, my father's the vine dresser. And then he's going to look at them and say, I'm the vine, and you are the What? Branches. That's what he's going to say to them. He says, my father's the vine dresser. Everything belongs to him. Father's the vine dresser. Jesus refers to himself as the true vine. So he says, my father handles it all. I'm, I'm the vine. But then he says, and you are the branches 
or we'd say we are the branches. Look at it says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now let me just give you a hint. Look at the next verse. He, uh, the next part of the verse. He who abides in me. Let's just stop there. This is the issue. We, he is the vine and we are the what? We are the branches. This is the illustration. He could have used something else. He decided to use this. He says, my father owns it all. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, what's the goal of the branch? To stay in union, in close fellowship with the vine. And when you're in close fellowship with the vine, you can produce. If you're not in close fellowship with the vine, you can't produce. That's what he's going to show. So let's see how it fits together. That's what he's going to do. Notice back at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, let's stop. It goes on to say, he takes away. So let's start with this question. There are branches who produce, and there are some who do not. Now, let's just say it in this way. In this room, I'm sure that there are believers who produce fruit, and there are believers who don't. That's what it says. He says, that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it says he takes away. So here's the question. This is not a salvation issue. This is a fruitfulness issue. Okay, do you understand? Just want to make sure you've got this. And he says, this is fruitfulness. He's going to say this. Every branch in me that, that does not bear fruit, he's going to say, does, he takes away. He says, so some don't bear fruit. So here's the question. Can a branch not produce fruit? What's the answer? Can a believer not produce fruit? What's the answer? Yes. So this whole passage is dealing with what? Fruitfulness. It's not dealing with salvation. And so watch the next part of the verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's, and we, we stop right there because there's going to go some more. And so people say, he takes away. The Greek word is actually arao, which means to lift up. That's what it means. Now, some people take this and they see that and they say, takes away. They lose their salvation because they're not producing fruit. What's the flow of this passage? It's not about salvation, is it? What's it about? Producing fruit. So he says, every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he takes away. There are three views. Let me show the views. Number one, some people say take away means lose salvation. I, I made sure we put that right there. That's incorrect. You cannot lose salvation. That, that makes sense? The second one is some people say that he takes away, which literally means not a loss of salvation, but he removes them from this earth. That a believer who's not producing fruit or anything, that God takes them home. There's the third view, which I think is the right one, because the Greek word arao actually doesn't mean take away. It means lift up. And I think it's the idea that he lifts up, he disciplines them to get them to produce. That's the plan. And if you know anything, and I didn't, I had to read stuff because I've read all about, about vines and grapes and everything. And sometimes when they get low on the ground, they won't produce. And they have to come along and pick them up, tie them up, and pick them up higher so they'll produce. If some of you, any of you may, you may know that from experience. I've just read about it. And so I think what he's saying is every branch of me that's not bearing fruit, he lifts up. Okay? And so that's the plan. He, to take away means to lift up. Grapevines are lifted off the ground so they can produce. And so here's the first one. If there's no fruit, what does he do? Lifts them up. Now, what could that mean? Could it mean they lose salvation? No. Could it mean they take them home? Possibly. Could it mean that he just lifts them up to get them in a position that they might what? Start producing. Look at the next part of the verse. He says, I'll start over again. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does what? Bears fruit, what does he do? 
He prunes it so he may bear what? More fruit. So look at this. The second one, if they're bearing fruit, his plan is to prune it, to cleanse it, to get it going so that it'll work. I, you know, I've talked to people and people who do tomatoes and things and they'll come out and they'll pull off all the what? The suckers. And, because they say, well, if you have too many, then it won't grow. So I have to kind of prune it out so that there's more room for producing the what? The fruit. And so he says here, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, what he's going to do is lift it up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. And, and what we could say there is, when you think about it, to prune something is to get things out of the way that's slowing it down. And that's what it means, means basically to us. The idea is no fruit he lifts up, but if there's fruit, he's pruning it. And that's the cleanse to remove things that may be in the way so they can produce more. This is, he's using this analogy. And I'm sure, I guarantee you, those guys knew exactly what he's talking about. I mean, this is what they live. This is where they live. This is what they did. They knew it. Now, these, most of them were fishermen, but they all knew about all this stuff. God may, in our lives, if you're not producing fruit, he may lift you up in some way to get you going. If you are producing fruit, he may bring things in your life to prune you to get things out of the way that's slowing you down from producing fruit. Realize that this is, this is the idea of production and fruit. It's not about salvation. God may remove things in our lives that's stopping us from growing. So we've got the no fruit and then fruit. And what's this goal here? He'd say he prunes it so that you may produce what? What does it say? More fruit, see? So it, and here's the key truth. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself... Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. What's abiding talking about? Being in fellowship, being in union, being connected with him, doing, doing the things God wants you to do. He's basically saying, this is how it works. If you stay in fellowship with me, you're going to produce fruit. But if you, you can't, he says, unless you abide in me, you, you won't produce anything. He says, abide in me and I in you, a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. And so you can't either. And so what we see is no fruit, he lifts up. Fruit, he prunes so there can be more fruit with the goal of what? Abiding, abiding. Now look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. Uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So look at this one. He says, you got to remind them, the vine and the branches. And he says, they produce much fruit. So you can see the difference. And he puts it to the end, apart from me, you can do what? If you're not, if you're not abiding, what do you produce? Nothing. And if you're not producing, what is he going to do? He's going to lift you up. And if he lifts you up and you start producing, what's he going to do? He's going to prune you. And if he prunes you, you're going to start doing more fruit. And then when you continue to abide, you're going to produce what? much fruit. Just think this is the flow. This is the flow of what he's trying for them to do. So he goes really from, no. And look at this. this, this is how this thing fits together. There's no fruit, so he lifts them up. Discipline. Some people say the discipline means he, keep, he, he takes them to heaven to be with him because they're not producing. I think he's preparing them. I think he lifts them up. And then the plan is the ones who are producing fruit, his plan is to prune them and cleanse them so, and remove the things that are unnecessary so they can keep going, so they can go more fruit. And then the plan is that as more fruit is to keep abiding in Christ, obeying the word of God, maintain the relationship. And then the end up goal is what? Much fruit. Do you remember when Jesus said, and that 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 good soil produced 30, 60, 
a hundred. That's the three levels right there. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. It's all together. It all ties together. So what I think what we see here is, so the issue, the issue is he's going to take up, lift up to help produce fruit. So we're not talking about salvation. So does this make sense? So think about this. So Jesus is walking with his guys, and he stops at this vineyard, and he says, you know, my father's the vine dresser, and I'm the, vine, I'm the true vine. And then I'm the vine, and you're the branches. Now, let me tell you, if, if, if every branch that's in me, if they're not producing fruit, I'm going to lift them up. And so that they will then begin to produce fruit. And then they begin to produce fruit, I'm going to prune them, and I'm going to move things out so they'll produce even more fruit. And as they're producing more fruit and they're abiding, the ultimate goal is they will produce much fruit. Because see, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can't produce any fruit apart from Jesus Christ. So the verse that says lift up or take away, some people want to say it's loss of salvation. It, it can't be. It's not, the whole passage is not talking about salvation. It's talking about producing fruit. That takes us to that next verse, which is what happens what happens, oh, th- th- what happens if, if they're not producing? Look what it says. If anyone does not abide in me, what does that mean? Salvation? No, it means a fellowship. And if they don't, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them in the fire and they're burned. What does that mean? He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about fellowship. And if you're not abiding, what do you like? If you're not abiding, because in the branch, if you're connected with the branch, you're able to produce what? But if you're not connected to the branch, you're not able to, to produce fruit. What do you look like? A dead branch. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're a dead branch. He's not dealing with salvation. He's de- so he says you're like a dried up branch. There's no fruit. You're a dead branch. You're only thrown away. There's no rewards. There's no production, no fruit. Listen, he talks about there being burned, right? A lot of times everybody sees the word burned. They all think about hell, but... The bottom line is, when, when, how are our works tested in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5? How are our works tested? By fire. He, this is an analogy. He says, if you're a branch and you're not producing fruit, eventually you're going to stand before God and you're going to have no rewards. And you're just going to stand there, just like 1 Corinthians 3 says, you'll be saved as through fire. You won't have any rewards. And that's the problem, and that's what he's talking about. And he, listen, he's about to leave these guys. And, and, and you know, he's going to die. Three days later, walk, uh, come back from the dead, walk on the earth 40 days, and then he's gone. And they're the ones that are supposed to be doing what? Producing fruit. They've got to be going out and doing it. And he's telling them. He's warning them. And that's what he's saying. And so the, the, uh, the, the judgment seat of Christ, we're rewarded. First Corinthians 3, we're rewarded. Our, our works will be tested by fire. And so here's, here's what I want you to see, and then we'll, we'll open it up for questions. Here it is. The levels of fruit. No fruit, he lifts up. Fruit, he prunes. More fruit, there's abiding. So you have much fruit. But if you're not abiding, there's no fruit. You're burned up. There's no rewards. So the passage that says, if anyone, there's like a dried branch and they cast them into the fire and they're burned, has nothing to do with eternal life salvation. This passage is all dealing with rewards. It's all dealing with fruitfulness. And he's basically saying, if you don't bide, you're not going to have anything and it's going to be burned up. So let me give you some applications and then we can have a few questions or something before we go to our grow groups. Uh, Let's abide in Christ so we can produce fruit. I mean, that's the key, right? Apart from him, we can do 
Nothing. If you want to have a fruitful life where Jesus will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, then we're going to have to be connected with him, maintain our fellowship with him, love him, uh, live righteously and godly and get connected with him so that he can use us because apart from him, we can do nothing. So if you want to be a faithful believer, we've got to maintain our fellowship and abide with him. John says, salvation is always faith. Christian life is always abiding. That's the key. And that's what it is. And by the way, in the Gospel of John, 98 times, faith, faith, faith. The whole book, except for that section, is dealing with salvation. The book, 1 John, the whole book is abiding. Only one section in 1 John does he talk about eternal life. And so if you read 1 John, the whole book is about abiding in Christ so that you look like a believer is basically what he's saying. In First John. So, bottom, bottom line. Okay, so let's abide in Christ so we can produce fruit. Apart from Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. Here's the second thing. Let's understand that God will deal with believers so they can produce fruit. They do. He will. If there's no fruit, the plan is to lift them up. But you know what? Even if he lifts them up, they may not what? They may not produce fruit. And then the goal is they lift them up and they produce fruit. So then he prunes them so they can do what? More fruit. And they want to continue to abide so they can produce much fruit. Do you remember the four soils? You know, the first soil got nothing, but the, 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 when he gets to the last one and he says, and this seed got on the good soil and it produced 30, 60, 100. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. That's what it is. And that's how it ties together. That's the best thing. And then the third thing is let's understand that there are level of, levels of fruit and rewards. I've had people come up, and this is before I really started growing as a Christian, but people would come up and say, you know, when you get to heaven, everybody's the same. And you were just all there together. And I thought, I don't, I don't think we're the same. And then I started studying, and I realized we aren't the same. I mean, faithful people have different positions of responsibility. We're going to be in a kingdom for the thousand years on this earth, and based on how you serve now and your fruitfulness now, you'll have places of positions of rewards. And, and then in the eternal state, you will serve him forever. Uh, your service is going to be based on your faithfulness. And if you've gone through life with no fruit, you, you know, you're going to have a glorified body, so you're not going to be mad or angry or evil. But you're, you're going to realize that you're not got a place of responsibility that some other people have. You know in the kingdom, Jesus rules from Jerusalem. Under him is who? King David. Under him is the 12 apostles who oversee the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And then we don't know about the rest of that. Probably those 144,000 are in there somewhere and all of those others. And, and then we're all over the world, scattered all over the world at different places and responsibilities as faithful believers. So that's the goal.